Hi everyone, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for listening. So I'm here with Michael today. We're gonna do a little part two to our previous episode that we recorded last year. Um, I'll link the episode link to that below. Um, and in that episode, we talked a little bit about how to refrain bad days, fight through the waves of depression, anxiety, and the deeper meaning behind no empty seats. Um, so we're gonna talk a little bit more about some themes that we've discussed, um, but he's gonna first do a little brief overview about himself and we'll kick it off from there. Awesome, thank you so much for having me, Grace. Um, hi guys, my name is Michael Oyoung. Uh, I just finished my freshman year at Brown over in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, I run uh, and founded this uh, mental health nonprofit for suicide prevention called No Empty Seats. Um, the Instagram page has been alive for about a year and a half, I think. Um, and I do a multitude of things on it. I, try, I share my stories and lessons that I've learned um, on my journey of healing and battling depression. I also share other stories and collaborate posts with other people so they can empower themselves and empower others um, to destigmatize mental illness. I sell bracelets. Um, I sell bracelets that have different mental health messages, like keep going, never alone, and obviously no empty seats on them. And 30% is donated to uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, I partner with different teams and clubs to get these, uh, to, to make like no empty seat teams and no empty seat athletes, uh, so they can de dedicate their uh, seasons to mental health awareness. And I make videos trying to make people laugh and uh, putting myself out there to combat college anxiety. Thank you so much. So to go back to kind of what you said before about how you share other people's stories through that platform, talk a little bit about that, why you do that, why you think it's important, and some lessons that you've learned from doing that. Yeah, of course, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so basically when I was, um, when I was struggling a lot, uh, in my fall of senior year of high school, I realized how important it was to see others that I look up to um, speak up and come together and talk about how it's okay to not be okay and how the most perceived successful people in the world struggle just like us and bleed the same and have the same and battle of battle we have no idea that they're going through. Um, and we don't really need to put a um, label on it, whether it's calling it depression, mental illness, schizophrenia, anxiety. The point is that people are struggling every day, um, no matter how big or how small, we need to be a little more compassionate about this. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought it would be pretty empowering if I made a platform that can raise these people up and kind of make you know, mental health something cool to talk about. And yeah, I've done that with a handful of my friends. Usually they're people from my hometown. I don't think I've done anyone in college yet. And I'm looking forward to getting people um, at Brown to you know, collaborate, post, and talk about different uh, things they've learned. Also, the stories that they share don't necessarily have to be uh, you know, an A to B uh, timeline of what, how they deal with the mental illness. Some people talk about how they um, deal with anxiety and their little tricks and tips they learned. Some people talk about a quote that uh, you know, kind of turn their life around and change their life a little bit. And I think that's kind of the beauty of it, that I I bring people up and let them talk about whatever they think they could if they wanted to, if they wanted to talk to, you know, 3,000 people that, you know, all struggle with something. 
Um, yeah. yeah. So going off of that, I've been recently, actually I just finished it last night. Um, I read this book called Tiny Beautiful Things, which I definitely recommend reading. And I wanted to share something that kind of just reminded me of that whole idea of seeing others. So um, she talks a little bit about when she was in graduate school, she had a friend who had an assignment that required them to listen repeatedly to a poem that was not in their native language um, and translate it into English. So their mission wasn't to know what the words meant, but rather to hear, to feel, and to imagine them and then conjure something from within themselves to translate what those words were in the poem to um a you know, translate it into a language that they do know. So um, I think she writes, it seems audacious and nonsensical. At, at, at first, the task is ultimately what poetry and life asks us to do, attempt to make clarity and meaning out of the uncomprehensible. In some ways, what we're, we're all being asked to do right now is to create something beautiful from the unknown languages we've suddenly found ourselves forced to comprehend. We've had to translate the sentence, I don't know how I'm going to do this into the opposite of its meaning and do this as we have time and time again. So I think just reading some of the stories that I've read on your Instagram account, I think, you know, there's always things that we can't quite understand because we haven't, you know, quite been through the exact same experience. But I think, you know, it's that whole idea that maybe we don't understand, but you, we still have the ability to see that and be you know like willing to just accept and see that person as they are um so yeah I don't know if you I guess any lessons that you have learned through you know I guess why you started that and why you continue to do that no for sure yeah that's a lot that's a lot that's a really <laughs> That's a really dense quote, but I, I like it a lot. Um, it actually reminds me of one of my posts that I made about a year ago. And it was, you know, this, this stick figure. It was really simple. It was a stick figure dancing. And it said, I have, and it was whistling, I think. And he said, I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm going to get there. Mm, and I think yeah. that's really cool. And that's another cool lesson I've learned that I don't think I would have um, heard if I didn't have no empty seats to, you know, be a part of me. That... Most of the time, people wake up. People that are happy wake up, not knowing what's going to happen, and that's kind of exciting. That when you go to sleep at night, you have actually you and you reflect on the day. There's a very good chance you had no clue any of those interactions with these different people. You would you have no idea you would get these texts. You have no idea um, that you would laugh like you did or something like that. Um, and I think I think that's pretty cool that every day really is a mystery as cliche as it sounds mm -hmm. that you really have no clue you can't you can't predict what's going to happen mm -hmm. um yeah in, in your days and i think that's really beautiful yeah there was another quote i was going to save later for this podcast but i'm going to read it now because i think it goes you know very well with that so she writes cultivating the understanding that life is long that people both change and remain the same that every one of us will need to make mistakes and be forgiven that we're all just walking and trying to find our way the way towards the roads that eventually lead to the mountaintop so I think you know it's like like I said cultivating the understanding that everybody's different and we feel things differently mm -hmm. but um you know there's a lot of similarities in those you know different complex feelings so when you introduced yourself you talked a little bit about college so um 
I don't know, I guess I think it would be an interesting topic to just talk a little bit about, you know, imposter syndrome that comes with big life transitions and maybe a little bit about the identity crisis that maybe you went through or anything like that. Um, and yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. Um, and also to cap off um, the last section of this conversation, talking about how everyone feels things differently, it reminds me of another thing that I've learned uh, through Nam Seeds too, which I thought was really awesome, is that I um, I don't really, I used to care a lot, but I'm not really too worried anymore about how dumb or corny or stupid my quotes sound that I post, because I've learned that some, that different quotes resonate a lot to different people. Um, mm -hmm. For example, uh, like something like, I guess, a quote that's hit me really, really hard, um, lately is it's a privilege to move your body and that can sound really you know cliche or corny to some other people but I feel like everyone has that moment where they see like a quote on TikTok mm -hmm. and then there's like classical music or something playing in the back and they're like oh my god like that that hits me so hard and I think that's there's kind of a beauty in that that uh, what resonates with me won't resonate with everyone. So it's kind of important to get the message, like yeah. all angles of uh, mental health and wellness out there, yeah. which I think is pretty interesting. So I, I, I don't really worry too much about how, um, how dumb the quote sounds, but I do, I do try my best to make sure that it is something that I can at least understand mm -hmm. and I, I can feel. Yeah. Um, even if I don't, if, even if I don't truly internally, even if I don't truly internalize it and feel like it's gonna change my life, as as long as I can understand it and see uh, it helping someone, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I think that that's uh, yeah. I th I think that's a really cool, um, beauty of things that, you know, different quotes inspire different people. Yeah, um, and like your life experiences, you know, dictate the inter interpretations of that too. Mm -hmm. So you never know. Like yeah, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talk about your college experience. Entering into college was definitely much different than mine and probably what people entering into college now too will be. So I guess about, you know, big life transitions, how to deal and cope with that in a way that, um, you know, you're not abandoning yourself. If, you know, I think at least what I struggled with entering into college was like not really knowing who I was and not knowing what my core values were just because I, I didn't know really how to figure that out. So talk a little bit about how you've done that. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with not knowing where to start when they think of um, trying to figure out what their core values are so that they can stay steady in that. So you're done with your first year. Mm -hmm. What have you learned? <laughs> Great question. Um, yeah, so... I talked about this a little on the page, but yeah, the transition to college hit me like a truck. And I think that's in big part to, I have a really tight knit community back at home. I have so many people that I can count on. Um, I'm, I'm a homebody and I don't really, I'm not a big fan of going out. Um, and the combination of the two uh, really led me to, you know, a couple nights of me crying on the first, uh, on the first few days of orientation week and feeling like I should be doing things. Um, I should be going out and making friends and things like that, when in reality, I just needed someone to tell me that, you know, it's gonna be okay and you should do everything you can just to take care of yourself in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was, uh, orientation week was really hard for me because there was like this sheet um, 
there was a sheet uh, where it had all the events to go meet people and it was like every hour. And for some reason, I, it seemed like everyone was going to every single hour. Um, and it got really exhausting. My social battery was completely drained and I felt like, you know, everyone was getting their friend groups together and stuff. Everyone's going out. Um, but in reality, I wish someone kind of told me that like, it's really gonna be okay. Um, and yeah, that anxiety, that anxiety was really hard uh, for me to get through. That kind of lump in my throat going to sleep a couple of those nights, being like, when will it get better? Because I, I know it will, but yeah. it, it really sucks right now. Yeah, um, so how have you changed the way, like I know that was kind of your mindset starting, so how did you change the way that you saw yourself you know, going past that week of orientation to really do your best to, you know, start transitioning um, in like a more positive way and shifting the perspective and mindset of knowing that the transformation is painful, but you're not falling apart. You're just falling into something different and possibly better. So how do you kind of work to, how did you kind of work to reframe that? Yeah, of course. So um, there were a few things that helped me a lot. Um, one was, uh, one was I met my one of my dad's best friends who lives in Boston. He uh, took a train down to say hi. And I don't know if this is, in retrospect, I don't know if this was the perfect advice, but he told me, he was like, Mike, listen, the first few months of call, the first two months of college, I didn't leave my room. And, you know, I, t I told that to my therapist and she's like, I don't know if that's the perfect way to handle <laughs> things. But for some reason that was very, that was really, really reassuring to me that, you know, like, you can you can hide in your room and it'll that nothing will change around you mm -hmm. um where obviously if you need that rest not like the the world can wait um and things around you can wait but you have to you should do everything you can to take care of yourself mm -hmm. um and there were a few things i noticed uh one being i the i I kind of had a revelation that I didn't make my best friends in high school on the first day of freshman year. And I was like, why the hell am I putting so much pressure on myself? That was the first thing. The second thing is when I saw people going out every night on orientation week, I saw like 300 people outside of my quad just like screaming, yelling, um, drinking, playing music and stuff like that. And I felt like I should be out there, but I was so uh, socially and mentally exhausted. But what kind of woke me up a little bit is I realized that was 300 people, which looked like so many out of 8,000 people that go to my school. Yeah. And there, that made me realize there are so many, many people that are inside more than they are outside. Mm -hmm. And obviously it doesn't matter what they're doing. Um, I don't really, I don't really uh, beat on anyone who you know, drinks or likes to go out. It just isn't for me. It's, I kind of see it like, um, I kind of see it like they like pizza more than I like pizza, and that's totally fine. They see more utility out of it than I do, um, and it took a lot of you know soul searching. It took, it wasn't it wasn't a snap of the finger fix, um, and it took a couple of months months for me to figure out you know being at home is okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I love that perspective. Oh, sorry, I just cut you off. No, I no like worries. that perspective shift that you like just mentioned, and I think prior to us recording, and I wrote this down when you said it was looking back and asking yourself, did this, was this healthy? Did, did this, did I do this in a healthy way? And what, you know, making the decision of what will be the best for me today, I think um, 
is a really really cool perspective to say but sorry what we're gonna say <laughs> no yeah that no you yeah you got that uh hammer on the nail that that that's a really important thing that you have to wake up and ask yourself um and i really should make a post about that thank you for reminding me <laughs> um i think that's really really important and i asked that to, i asked that to a lot of people um i asked that to a lot of people when they reach out and they're like i'm really really struggling and it's usually in the winter when you know midterms are stacking up on them and finals are stacking up on them and I asked them what will be the best thing to take care of yourself whether it's going leaving school and watching a movie um, and then sleeping off because you're so sleep deprived whether it's going to be with your friends because you haven't seen them because you've been studying or working on a project for so long whether it's doing your work because you've been so depressed that you're behind on it so maybe doing the most minimal amount of work that is productive on that day. So I think that's a perfect question to ask yourself because it's not asking you to, you know, be lazy and to throw away everything. It's asking what's best for you while taking in consideration your mental health. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, um, it took me a long, long time to figure this stuff out. Uh, I mean, actually it only took a year in retrospect. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure I, hopefully I can carry this with me. Um, with enough clarity throughout the rest of my life. Um, and I'm sure my you know, older self in 20 years can be like, yeah, that was a valuable year yeah. for me. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a few videos in the first weeks of school. I haven't told anyone this yet, so I guess it's a Grace Delpino uh, <laughs> uh, exclusive. Um, but I, I'm gonna make a few videos interviewing uh, some of my friends and I'm gonna ask them what their first weeks of college were like. And, the, and some of them will be like, it was really awesome. I was with my, I guess, sports team. I was with my, uh, I was with my siblings' friends. I just made a lot of friends uh, in general, and I had a great time. But also there, w there will be people that are like, it was terrible. I cried so much on the first week. I missed my parents, um, and it was really hard. And kind of the overall message will be, uh, just so I don't want to blindside anyone when they're coming into college. Because mm -hmm. I do have a lot of friends um, in the class of 23 that I do care about. And hopefully it'll spread to other colleges too, that video. That, you know, college can suck a lot. Like college, I, I want people to have a really good time transitioning to college, but it can suck a lot. And I don't want people to be blindsided by that because then they'll be convinced that that's what their whole college experience will be like. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. if I'm talking about a year from now, then it obviously it's pretty telling that the first week was pretty scarring for me. You know, I, I, I would not want to enjoy going back again. Um, yeah, they, they, like I said, the anxiety and the lump in my throat going to sleep being like, when will this be over? Um, I know it'll be, I don't know it'll get better, but do I have to, fuck, I do have to fucking face another day of this. Um, yeah. So it got really, it got really daunting. And I, that's the kind of message that I guess the, um, the realistic yeah. aspect that I just want to be like, I just want to look into the camera and be like, college can suck, but it will be so much better if you just keep um, asking yourself yeah. what will be the best thing to take care of myself. And like, I mean, my perspective, because like I said, me entering into college is much different than people now because I entered in during COVID. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I can speak from, you know, entering now into grad school, Yeah. that kind of perspective that like, you know, you learn it in college and you continue to relearn how to adjust to those transitions for the rest of your life. Um, and I think as difficult as it, as it is, like, 
and annoying as it sounds, you just really have to see it as a lesson and be like, okay, I did these things. I didn't like that. I'm not going to continue that mm. into wherever I'm moving next. Yeah. But there's these other things that I did. Like I took care of myself. I did all these things that I'm going to continue to make sure that I did that. Um, I think going back to that book that I mentioned at the beginning, yeah. um, just kind of such a huge quote person, but I, I think it goes really well with just that whole topic is there's some things that you can't understand yet. Your life will be a great and continuous, your life will be great and continuous, continuously unfolding, but understand that you resolve, what you resolve will need to be resolved again and again. We come to know things that only can be known with the wisdom of age and grace that most things will be okay eventually but not everything will mm -hmm. be sometimes you'll put up a good fight and lose sometimes you'll hold on really hard and realize there's no choice but to let go acceptance is a small quiet room and i talk my mom mentions this to me a lot over and over again that like you know not everything i think we always expect to be perfect all of the time and feel happy all the time um but i think coming to accept that like you know, not everything is going to work out. You're not gonna exact. You're not gonna act exactly how you always want to exact. Mm -hmm. Exactly act, and I think, you know, that's really tough to accept. Like I like. I mean, you just saw me do it today when we were figuring out where we we're gonna, yeah. you know, do our podcast episode. You know, you're not gonna act perfectly towards every single person you meet, but you're gonna learn from it, mm -hmm. and you know, you've learned from it when you don't repeat it. Um, and you know, like it's really hard to figure out what your core values are, but I liked what you mentioned about the soul searching that you did to try and figure that out. And I think that soul searching looks different for everybody, but mm -hmm. you got to give yourself the time to do it. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 100%. So yeah. Okay. Kind of going off of that, I definitely wanted to touch on like how you've, um, embodied. So the idea of embodying emotions, um, and how, you know, I think it can help us learn about the emotions we have and what they mean, not only in relationship to, you know, the present, but also in relationship to our past. So I guess talk a little bit about how you kind of dealt with the, your ways of emotions in high school, how you had dealt with it, you know, when you entered college and how you continue to do that. Um, because I think for at least for people who have like really big, you know, heavy emotions, I think it can be really hard to, you know, deal, cope and, you know, like embody and embrace it and accept it. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I I haven't um I haven't been asked too much about my I guess dealing with emotions, um, which I think is really interesting. I'd, um I mean it going into a new environment where um where it was a new slate and people didn't know too much about the mental health account it was hard to tell people that you know i do struggle a lot with you know anxiety and i i do it is in, it is so easy for me to fall in my trap of just shutting everyone off and just going and just never leaving my room um so i guess from that i would say uh even though to some people it would seem like you know, my 3,100 follower account, oh, Michael's so, like, I guess, open about his struggles. I I would say struggle, like, I guess, obviously better. I, my standard my standard has definitely gone up for how I um, perceive my emotions. But it, it does feel the same in when I, I, I feel like I do share the same, um, I guess, scaredness or fear for um, speaking up. Like mm -hmm. that, that's always, that's always a hard part for people. 
Um, and I, for example, I, I t- I've taken medication for about a year um, and I've, try- I've been trying to go to therapy, but it's hard to figure it out mm-hmm. uh, because I had a great therapist uh, back in here during high school, but she wouldn't take the insurance or something for uh, Rhode Island, so we couldn't do even telehealth. So, and the first therapist that I went and th- at the counseling and psychological services program, I didn't, I was, I didn't click with them. So I kind of shut off therapy altogether, which definitely wasn't a good idea, but, um, therapy and medication, I, I praise a lot and it's still hard for me to, you know, wear my heart, wear my emotions on my sleeve and say, you know what, that's important. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Especially as a man. It is re- it's really, really hard for me to say, to tell my, you know, guy friends that I'm going to therapy. Like, really, really hard. Um, I usually honestly lie about it, um, which doesn't make me feel great, you know, that I'm, being, that I'm not being my true self. But, um, yeah, I guess if anything from that, you, if anything that people should learn from that uh, question is that it's, it's still hard to talk about. Um, it's still hard to talk about. Uh, emotions and medication and the the male stigma of mental health about you know being a so-called bitch or something like that it's I still feel it on me posting like my whole essays about me struggling with my suicide ideations and getting into like the real the surrealness of it um it it helps a lot um it helps a lot it's it's helped me tremendously Mm -hmm. but it's still it's still hard to talk about uh your feelings I to, to my guy friends, it's still hard to say, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really anxious right now. I think I need to leave uh, with it, whichever social situation or if I'm feeling depressed in my bed and I don't want to talk to anyone because I'm behind on my schoolwork or something, I probably won't text my friends. Um, and I'm, I'm really working on that. So, yeah, it's, it's always a process, mental health. Um, but I've said this word a thousand times, but I think there's a lot of beauty in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think us humans connect a lot through struggle and that's um yeah there's there's yeah. A, there's a certain beauty um to there's a certain beauty to always working on yourself and always working towards something um yeah i think it was interesting how you mentioned that the same kind of fear and like that feeling of being scared that you had you know in high school and you felt like you continued to have in college when you mentioned that I kind of just thought about you know like I've been following your account for so long so I saw the kind of content that you had in high school in comparison to now and the kind of videos you did so I thought that was really interesting like that's like my perspective is like I would never know that because you know like you through your videos like I've seen you gain so much confidence so I think Mm -hmm. um what would you say like how were you able to do that even though you still had that same feeling you know pushing past that limit and expanding I don't know kind of like expanding your emotional threshold to that feeling of you know being nervous or scared or uncomfortable I think yeah, yeah. so I think okay I think I have a good analogy here I think <laughs> I, I think I have one I love analogies um so you're totally right that's why that's why I kind of hesitate a little bit where I have made a lot of good strides in my confidence. Yeah. Um, one example being, uh, there was one where I gave flowers to men because guys on campus, because I saw a quote that said, most men will get their first flowers um, 
uh, on their funeral. Yeah, that made me so sad when yeah. I saw that. I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, I'm not even a flower person, but that's like really <laughs> sweet. That's like, that's, yeah. that's really, that's really sweet to, you know, give someone else a flower. So I, um, or like a dandelion or something. So I went to Tops, <laughs> uh, not Tops, I went to CVS and I bought like $30, $40 worth of, uh, flowers and I passed them out to people on the main green and I was really really afraid that was one of my first challenges I had to do and I was really afraid um and then my friend that was recording was just like you're doing it like you're you're doing it I'll do I'll do one at the end if you do one uh his name's Mac he's one of my best friends shout out Mac if you're listening you better be listening dude um so he so I, I was so scared to give it to like I guess the athletes or like football players or like upperclassmen or something but now I could not care less um so that's so that's what i'm saying where i do notice progress um the stress does feel kind of the same but i do notice progress uh within my confidence um and the analogy i was thinking about is when you want to do something when when you when you have that gut feeling that you know you should go up to that person or compliment them or go up to this person and, and ask them if they need a hand uh with something that they're doing or call that one friend, I would say that feel that anxiety is like one stepping stone, right? And we all have that gut feeling where we're like, I know we should do this. And it's either yes or no, whether you do it. And those opportunities are very, they, they're not, they're finite. They're, they're, there's a lot of them out there, but one day they're gonna end, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I feel, I still feel that same stress, making that step, getting those stepping stones, Right, but I, I guess I would say I have a lot of them, because mm-hmm. um, I've definitely, yeah. I like each one is just as stressful. You're building off of the last. One. Yeah, but my standard has gone up for like I guess what is stressful, but it yeah. feels it feels the same. Like I don't mm-hmm. feel like I can do everything. You know, what I mean, I feel I will feel the, I will feel the butterflies in my stomach. Um, so I kind of so I feel like, I guess the increments or the interval where you have to do something to build your I guess mental strength. And, and and guys defeat your um, social anxiety. It feels the same as with anyone else. I don't think that's changed, but I've built on top of that. Yeah. Um. An, uh, one another thing cool that I haven't talked about is um another video that I haven't talked about yet is I'm gonna do a really uh a really cheesy uh flash mob on my main green, and I'm gonna my one of my uh, friends is a choreographer. And we're gonna go to like a dance studio with like fifty or sixty people, oh uh, a few days into orientation week or something, just to and then do like a flash mob. I was thinking about doing High School Musical. We're on this together, um, <laughs> and just super cheesy. Uh, and then hopefully get, you know, other people that are watching to join in. Um, but just like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm really nervous for that. I'm like I think I'm. Yeah, I'm e- e- equally as nervous as anyone else would be. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I, I know I have to take that leap if that makes sense. Like that's not that's not like a that's not like an easy decision for me for me to be the first one to do the flash mob the, for the first one to start like going in and screaming. We're all in this yeah. together. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's yeah. scary. It's scary. Um, another thing that I think it was you who posted about it was just you know coming to like accept your body and I think yeah I think it was you because you did that half marathon mm-hmm. and I think you talked a little bit about just like you know like exercise um and just like you know I think um this was not you but I saw a post um from somebody I knew who 
said, what if we obsessed about all of the parts of our bodies that we loved instead of obsessed about the parts that we hated and mm. um, or like dislike about ourselves? And I, mm-hmm. you know, thought so much about that because especially like, um, like as like a female, I think it's interesting to think about, you know, over the span of my life, all the things that I've obsessed about, you know, when I, when it comes to like my body and just, you know, like also being an athlete my whole life. So Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think hearing your perspective as like a male, I think would, will be interesting if you have anything to add about that, about, you know, gaining confidence and accepting, like, you know, just accepting, you for you the way that you know like not you know judging your perception about how your body looks so harshly um and then I think something I wanted to add about the gut feeling that you talked about um I was talking to my friend yesterday about like this very um small insecurity that I had and she told me this story about how when she was younger she um, was insecure about her like baby toe toenail she's like that is yeah. such a stupid thing to be insecure about like mm-hmm. it also like it's just like it's just a tiny nail and she started saying to herself over and over and over again like who cares who cares like and, literally who cares yeah and I was like so is that something you're like self-conscious about now because like you shouldn't be and she's like no because I've said so many times who cares um, so that is what helps me when I you know, feel shitty about my body or the way that I look or, Mm -hmm. you know, either because I do that to myself or I feel like somebody has made me feel that way. But what are some things that, um, like, I mean, I mentioned the run that you did and Mm -hmm. the ways that you have gone out of your comfort zone to just like accept the person you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's for you. I think it's really, really powerful that you're able to, you know, work on that. And I'm glad you are. Um, with body positivity and things like that. That's a word I was looking for. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, I kinda, I've struggled with, I guess, uh, body image, looking in the mirror a lot, uh, counting calories, weight, uh, a lot. And I think a lot more men than we realize do. Mm-hmm. If you're in the weight, if, if, you, if they work out, if they're in the weight room, then they definitely, not definitely, that's a very absolute, they, there's a good chance that they're counting calories or they're looking in the mirror every day or they're, they're weighing themselves and they beat themselves up if they, I guess, overeat and they always, uh, if they overeat their macros for the day or something like that. Um, and yeah, I, I fell into that trap. I, um, I have a definitely a really obsessive, I guess, addictive personality, whether that runs in my family or whether that's just like ADHD and uh, phone induced ADHD where my mind's always stimulated. Um, I kind of have a theory that um, n- with men and even women, I don't know, actually I can't speak on women, but um, <laughs> with men, uh, that the, I guess, comparison and depression is, uh, is not really looked at from you know, seeing ripped people on Instagram and being like, I should be that person because I don't, personally for me, I don't see that. I see it more of uh, on Instagram, I'm so overstimulated um, where I see things that I should be constantly doing. Whereas when you had your phone, you would just be satisfied with the hard work you're putting in and you know, your parents would be proud of you and things like that. And your friends would be, um, your friends would be, uh, you know, working hard with you together. But on Instagram, everyone's working hard 
Um, everyone's showing their progress and things like that. So it feels like you're always doing things wrong. And that's kind of my theory. Um, I know with women, obviously, they feel like with when they have their bikinis on, like 99% of their body's exposed. The 99 is a lot. I don't know why I said that. 90% of their body's <laughs> exposed. Um, so obviously that, that makes more sense why they're going to be carrying their bodies. But I think personally for me, and hopefully um, some men can agree with this, is they feel like... Um, they're always doing something wrong because they see uh because their mind's always overstimulated yeah. by I guess like the motivation progress gym bro um yeah. gym bro uh culture and also the videos on Instagram I don't know if you see them it's like you're doing they literally say they literally start with you're doing this wrong or you're doing this wrong um but yeah so I think that's what kind of uh, harbor and facilitated my uh, I guess eating disorder, I wouldn't say it was the forefront of the problems with my mental health. It was definitely depression and suicidal ideations, but that the ED and the, um, the ED and the body dysmorphia definitely added onto it. Um, I would say that the best thing that happened to me and for anyone struggling with weight, I really encourage you to give this a try is I stopped looking at myself in the mirror. Um, Tracking weight can really can ruin your mood way more than you think. I did that in college, and I was like, it's whatever. I got to I gotta lose weight because I got to stay in shape. I'll just do it in the morning. A few months in, I realized how, li- like how much those little details of and, and waking up, I realized how much that affected my day. And obviously, I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone, but for me and people who feel this way, on the way that on the accounts of me just talk about my life if you relate at all i definitely wouldn't encourage that because it, it'll just ruin your mood i get what i get what you men are saying about how you want to be in shape about how maybe you want to be a little leaner things like that and by that i encourage that's why i encourage running and i can get in that, into that later but the main thing is i forgot i genuinely forgot what i look like in the mirror um and i'm i'm really really proud to say that like when i when i'm showering when I'm about to get in the shower, I literally like, or or when I'm uh, brushing my teeth shirtless, I look down at the sink and I I don't remember about all the imperfections mm-hmm. that I have. I don't know if this is a permanent solution because because of that, I also can't see the perfections in my body. You know what I mean? Um, I just kind of shut it all off because mm-hmm. I think that's what people with addictive personalities yeah. do. They either go on or they go off, yeah. and I shut it off. I forgot. Mm-hmm. I forget what I look like in the in, in the mirror. Um, but it's helped a lot in terms of body dysmorphia because you you can't yeah. compare if you don't know what you look like, I guess. And it's not that, I guess, disorienting. Like, obviously, I know what I look like, but I don't know, like, the the yeah. different, like, I guess, shadow details mm-hmm. of, I guess, my yeah. my abs or something or, or my chest or my or if I or how big my love handles or waist is looking. Yeah. Um, I think it's like shifting that perspective from this is how I look to, this is how I feel is, you know, at least I feel like that is more helpful than the other way around. And what mm-hmm. you mentioned about like, you know, mirrors. So I told you my last podcast episode was with somebody who I met in um, El Salvador. And mm-hmm. uh, while we were there, like <laughs> um, we were not to bring mirrors for the reason that like, yeah, I know I loved it so much. So like no mirrors, like, we also didn't have phones. I, I went, when I went back the second time as a leader, so I had to bring a phone, but mm-hmm. I didn't look at myself at all. And um, 
was gonna say oh um I think like just having that it was it was not you know maybe as long as how how however long you've been doing it but I think it does you know teach you a really really interesting lesson and so the reason as to why no mirrors like we were in a very rural part of El Salvador so like we no makeup no jewelry or anything mm-hmm. like that and I think like taking I, I think eventually when I went back to reality like actually having a mirror made you like you know, look at yourself differently and appreciate yourself versus, mm-hmm. you know, like picking out all the tiny details. Cause I looked in the mirror, I was like, Oh, I kind of forgot how I looked like, um, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think, um, that was just a cool, like my experience with it. And then yeah. something else I wanted to add another story, not my same friend, different friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so she told me she had, um, a resident, like she was in res life. So her director, um, told the story she was pretty much at the end of her life she had cancer and she said I've been like I've worked my whole life like I've obsessed my whole life to get to the weight that I am now because yeah. she you know she was very very sick so she, I think she said she was like a hundred pounds yeah and she was like and now I can finally say I did it but I realize now that is like the least important thing in the grand scheme of life now that I'm at the end of it. And I think that was such like that punched me in the gut because I was like, wow, like that, you know, that is such a like that really puts everything. I'm going to say the word again into perspective in Mm -hmm. such a beautiful way. Um, For sure. Yeah. I um, this this actually reminds me of uh, um, an anecdote that I was thinking of and it's the exact same thing you were talking about where I know this person um he struggles with body dysmorphia he struggles with eating disorder but he's like shredded he's he uh only eats I guess like chicken and rice three meals a day and he works hard and he works hard to get the body um that he has and everyone like appreciates him for it but he struggles so much because he probably doesn't see it himself he struggles so much because he's set himself to that standard of that body where if he's five pounds over or has a little more fat or something like that then it feels like his world's crumbling and that kind of that put things so much into perspective where like you have to like it's important to be in shape and it makes sense that you want to feel like leaner and things like that you want to feel like you can move your body that's why i always say it's a privilege to move your body um so i i get what people are saying when they um yeah and i don't want to judge too much on a I don't want to judge too much on bodybuilding or things like that, but f- for me, I just want to feel like more athletic. I want to feel like I can move, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But it was so, just in terms of just the body aspect, it was so eye-opening that that person was like, yeah, I'm... Okay, we're going to take a quick Hello? Let's have the room reserved at noon. Okay, so we're back. Sorry about that. Um, we had to change locations, and Michael's going to finish the thought about his friend. Yeah, so it was super eye-opening for me um, hearing one of my close friends talk about how much he struggled with his uh, body image. And it made me realize that no matter what you do uh, to change your body, uh, if it's for the sake of your body and like how you look specifically, it'll, you'll, never, you'll never feel fulfilled unless you realize you know you're beautiful on the inside as cliche as it sounds Mm -hmm. and you have to love yourself for who you are because no matter like how ripped you are that won't really change anything Mm -hmm. yeah so okay next question for you 
um, going back to those videos. So where did, you know, the ideas from, I don't know if you have like a favorite video, but where did those ideas kind of come from? Um, what do you feel like the impact that they've had? You know, you've talked a little bit, the impact they've had on you, the impact um, they've had on other people and um, yeah, the direction that you see them going now. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, basically I had this, I had these ideas to make these videos because I struggled so much with social anxiety on the first semester of college. And my, I told my friends about it and I thought it would be a good idea to add my humor uh, to no empty seats and add more personality. Uh, because I thought if I could make people laugh, uh, if I could people make people smile, then uh, if, with a mental health message that could empower and inspire a lot of people while also um, spreading, getting into like the reels and the TikTok uh, community and spreading my message even more. So it kind of was a no brainer for me, but I was really scared to take the first step. But fortunately I saw on my uh, Today at Brown email that there was uh, um, a stand up open mic. Mm -hmm. And that was my first, that was my first challenge. And it was in a week or two and I signed up. I taught, I met, I met with the people to uh, coordinate what my jokes were and stuff and what order I was going on with the people and it was really really scary but I knew I had to do it pretty much I was like I'm gonna regret it for sure <laughs> um, and that kind of ushered in the video so I was more I was mainly worried about the stand-up so I never really thought about whether this video was gonna be scarier whether making the first video was gonna be scary or not um, and yeah, it's been, I've definitely gone a long way. Uh, my friends have helped me with these videos. I've definitely done some crazy things. Um, whether it's uh, walking around in, uh, walking around campus in uh, shower stuff with a, with a shower kit and a towel around my waist. And one of those, what are they called? The hair, the hair things? Like bonnet. Yeah, I had a bonnet. I had a bonnet. Um, basically the back. I remember seeing that. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, the backstory behind that was um, I uh, someone told me that the computer science building ironically has a shower inside it. <laughs> oh wait, yes, I remember yeah. this. So that's the whole joke. Uh, that's the whole joke about. It's called the CIT. Does it actually have a shower? Yeah, and, but and you some, couldn't find it. Some of the com some of the comments were like, "Did you actually shower though?" And I was like, "No, unfortunately not." <laughs> Uh, and I would, yeah, I put a voice recorder, uh, I put a voice recorder in my hand and I was just asking people, Hey, do you know where the shower is? <laughs> and that's, that one was the most viral one, which I th I'm pretty proud of. It's, it had like 60,000, 70,000 views oh or something gosh. like that. Um, but I think there's like a cool, like, like I said, I think things so deeply. I think there's a cool symbolic thing underneath that, yeah. that like, you know, you talked a little bit about like your entrance as like a freshman. And I think like, yes, you were joking, but... I think, you know, there's a point that a lot of people can probably relate to where like, you know, nobody really knows what they're doing and you really just have to see life as a joke and, you know, have like have that perspective that like everything, especially like, I don't know, I look back on things and I'm like, that was, I felt so serious and upset, whatever. But like, I look back at it and that was actually hilarious. Yeah. Um, so I just gotta laugh about it. Yeah, like, and you have to kind of like learn how to do that sooner rather than later, and you know life goes a little bit better. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I um for a second I thought you were about to say it's a deeper message about showering, <laughs> about about cleansing your body. I guess maybe yeah. there is. I don't know. Art is art is subjective, so maybe it is. 
Um, but yeah, that was that was my that was that was one of my favorite ones. That was cool. Um, and yeah, it is it is a nice uh, testament of how far I've come. Yeah. Uh, because I definitely would be afraid to go say like hi to upperclassmen and and even talk to them. And now I'm walking up like half naked and stuff like that. So the deeper meaning that you just made me think of when it comes to showering. So like, I can be super super like. Uh, you know, a little bit of OCD when it comes to, like, my shower routines, because (laughs) I think everybody has that to a point where, like, I'm such a routine-oriented person, and I think, you know, honestly, it is, it's showering for me that really just calms me down, brings me back to center, and, like, it just makes me feel so good, and I talked um, to my friend a little bit about how, you know, after, like, having big life events, you have to have some kind of, like, meditation, um, like you know time to yourself to just like you know for me it's like just to like cleanse and like feel refreshed Mm -hmm. so um I think that is my deeper meaning behind showering is it's my form of like meditation I'm I am somebody because I still teach yoga who does some Mm -hmm. like a little bit of meditation but um you know it doesn't quite have to be meditation like I said that's kind of my form of you know really feeling good <laughs> no for sure yeah, um, that makes sense. but okay so what is next for empty seats so yeah no for, empty seats oh my gosh for <laughs> no empty seats i'm definitely thinking about making a few more videos um like i told like i said i'm gonna try to do the really corny flash mob um it, on the first week of school i'm think i have i'm thinking about making more bracelets i have two new videos that I'm working on editing and editing takes so long. I think I I think I spent like 10 to 20 hours editing each video. Oh my god. And it takes yeah, I I'm hoping the learning curve will flatten out a little bit because it it takes so much time. Um but I'm proud I can look back on those videos and be like that was my freshman year mm-hmm. and and smile at it and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah. I have two new videos coming out along with two new lines of bracelets. Uh one is about the one I just gave you. Uh, which is called, which is the one that says "Who's it for?" on one side, and on the other side it says "Keep going," and it basically it's supposed to be a reminder of who your inspiration is and who your purpose is. For example, my uncle uh, a few years ago got diagnosed with lung cancer, and he's doing great right now. He's uh, he has uh, he finishes chemotherapy, but he was telling me on these family zooms that we have every Sunday that he would walk around the floor, his hospital floor because that was his only way to get exercise. And that really woke me up and really internalized that it is a privilege to move my body. And that if everything was taken away from me in the matter of seconds, then I would be, I would want to do so much more than, I, than what I'm doing right now. And it gave me, gave me a lot of inspiration, motivation um, to look forward to. Uh, another thing I was thinking about, the people that have passed away to suicide. I know that people who passed away yesterday had plans today and uh, shout out Mrs. Gotthold. she made me realize when I sat down with her last year that um, she was she's certain that Will would have taken back what he has done um, after if he would have seen how many people he's touched uh, and that that really that really fires me up that gets me that gets me excited to live my life um, that you know a mom of someone who's passed away to suicide can say for sure anyone who's anyone who's um, kill themselves believes that for sure they would they, they would take it back and so every, everyone that passed away does have plans for tomorrow and that inspires me a lot 
that you should always, so I, I made those bracelets that you should always remind yourself of who your purpose is, who your inspiration is. And the next one is gonna be talking about my running. Uh, and they say, and the running bracelets say, run when you can, and then the other side says, crawl when you need. And it's supposed to be a good uh, symbolic representation of how I experienced running in my life. And I'm gonna talk about how I've never been a runner ever. So if I can do run a half marathon, if I can run, you know, like 250 miles, I think it's on Strava this year, then anyone can do it. And it talks about what it's done for my mental health, where I don't, I'm not, I don't do anything crazy. If I'm just, if I'm feeling anxious, especially in college, I just go out and I just sprint until I feel better. And that's like a mile or two. And I always come back feeling way better. It's one of the only things where you always feel better whether it's because of the dopamine release that just comes from physical activity or it's because you got your mind, your mind was so overwhelmed that when you ran, you only thought about how much the running kind of sucks, which is kind of, uh, which is kind of refreshing. Mm -hmm. And the run when you can't crawl when you need is supposed to be a good reminder that you're always technically going forward in life because you're always learning and you're still here, which is one of the biggest things, that, which is the most important thing, that you're still here. And you should be able to, it should be running when you can, run when you can, crawl when you need should be a good reminder that um, you should push yourself. You should try to find new discomfort and try to find new levels of yourself in whichever terms of potential that you see yourself in. But you should crawl when you need and do whatever it takes to take care of yourself. And again, like we were talking about, ask yourself, what is the best thing that would be for myself today that I need to do? Um, because some days you really, you really don't, you really have to take care of yourself and just start crawling, if that makes sense. But as long as you keep going, as long as you keep showing up for yourself, whether it be my running routine, whether I run six miles in a day, or if I just, as long as I went outside and went for a walk, I won. I won the day. But yeah, run, run when you can, crawl when you need. Is the next uh, is the second video and the bracelets and hope so I have, a, I have a ton of new bracelets coming out I'm excited for those and then I'm just doing a lot of partnerships uh, I'm actually leading a mental health event um, I'm leading a mental health event in opposition to one of the Tuesday night Vill Manly's Village Amphitheater concerts which is really exciting it's gonna be on August 8th uh, from 6 to 8 p.m. I haven't announced it yet publicly but there you go for the <laughs> stitching the mind uh, exclusives it is uh it's going to be really awesome there's going to be 10 to 12 mental health organizations there along with independent therapists that are going to be speaking and passing out their cards and it's supposed to be a really nice community event to show the mental health resources that manly has to offer and i'm really excited for it and so i've been working on that too uh, i've partnered with a couple athletic directors which is really exciting in colleges to help get more uh, to help get more teams uh, bracelets and I've reached out to a lot of uh, my f hometown athletes and brown athletes to become no empty seat athletes for their upcoming season and I'm really excited for that I think there's like 30 like 30 new 30 new um, no empty seat athletes that I'm going to be posting and they're going to be dedicating their season to suicide prevention and mental health awareness so yeah I'm working on that I'm doing some internships on mental health to see more of the professional space uh, and hopefully, you know, this can become something of a job. But I'm I'm really excited. I think uh, I think there's a lot that I have in this year, especially now that I have nonprofit status, 
and I'm really excited. I'm really excited, yeah. That's awesome. I think what you mentioned about running a little bit earlier, um, in my kind of, like, symbolism, if you think of running, if you think of life, because, you know, like you said, you, it's very symbolic of just moving forward, and I think Mm -hmm. I like the idea of if you you know, unless you're running around a track, you're never, even when you're running around a track, you're never running, you know, exactly straight. Mm -hmm. And life is kind of the same way that like, it's very jagged, honestly. And, you know, like that going back to that quote at the beginning, like you're going to learn, relearn, and then learn again. And it's not always going to be perfect. So just kind of having that expectation, I think is really, really good. And, um, to have as you go through life. Mm -hmm. Um, so two last questions for you kind of blindside you with this one because I didn't tell you as an ask this one but when you talked about your bracelet and you talked about you know that question who's it for who is it for for you um and like why why do you continue I think you you talked a lot about why you continue to do the things that you do but um to really like how, how how do you answer that question for yourself it's for my uncle who taught me that moving my body is a privilege. It's for the people in my life that have passed away because the people that have passed away have plans for today. And it's for myself because I continue to show up my, for myself and I'm incredibly proud of that. And I'm still here. And there, if I have the ability to help people and help myself, then I should seize that opportunity. And, you know, I've, I've definitely been in a more peaceful mindset in the past year. Last year was kind of chaotic. Uh, I didn't, I had, didn't have too much clarity as, well, as to what was going on, but I, I haven't even been in college yet last year, but I've definitely been more at peace on, you know, yeah, I've definitely been I'm, I'm more at peace on who I am and you know that my existence is enough Mm -hmm. so last thing that i always like to finish with um is you know favorite quote favorite saying like i said i will always pick a quote because i'm such a quote person but um you know something that life has taught you that um that really resonated with you gets you up in the morning Mm -hmm. um i can go first if you're still thinking Uh, you can go first but i think i I think i have (laughs) i think i have one of my favorite authors, um, his name is Young Pueblo. He has two, three books now, um, but his work has always really resonated and stuck with me. I have so many favorite authors, so the other person to mention and a big inspiration but behind the title of my podcast, her name's um, Courtney Peppernell as well. Really good, really, really good writing. Um, so the quote is, um, he just is writing about things that he would tell his younger self if he could. He says, don't drown in comparing yourself to others. You are beautiful and valuable, and no one can take that away. Loving yourself can make life a lot easier. Be gentle with your words because hearts are fragile. It is hard to move forward when you refuse to let go. Your first reaction to difficult situations is usually not the wisest. Pause to think before acting is empowering. Giving others kindness will be soothing to your mind and to your future. Pain doesn't last forever. That's really beautiful. I really like that. Um, I have a couple quotes, and You're some person too. <laughs> yes, yeah, some some I haven't talked about, which hopefully will give people a good peace of mind and food for thought for 
you know, the rest of their day. Um, and I guess I'll just say them. I, I don't really need to explain some of them. One, um, patience is beautiful. Two, depression is a sign of intelligence. Hmm. Three, when you wake up, ask yourself, what is the best thing that I can do to take care of myself? And four, your time is coming because everyone's everyone's on a different path. And this is just a strange example, but I, I think this uh, fired me up a good amount where I was thinking about how Obama left presidency at 55 and Trump started at 70. Where like, like people's, we all worry about what we're doing at like age 20 and we have to be doing X, Y, Z by age 20. But you're ever like Q Kwan won a Grammy at like what age 55 or something. And he didn't have, and he didn't have any big roles between when he was a kid and when he was like six until he was 55. Like your time is coming as long as you, as long as you, you know, believe, I guess. Um, and I guess. Oh, I know the last one. Right when you question whether you should jump, that's that's exactly when you jump. And I think I said that quote wrong. <laughs> but but was, I like that it has a like a good meaning for. It. I think it's like you know, reaching past. Right when you have that anxiety about doing something, is that's when you that's when you take the anxiety and you crumple it up and mm-hmm. step on the ground and smash it mm-hmm. yeah um because if not then you're just gonna live in kind of regret and yeah that's kind of how i've been feeling about um everything i guess because i'm putting so much time to know empty seats where i have mm-hmm. to i have to have you know this confidence if i because i i have to have this confidence if i want to take it as far as i want to mm-hmm. um and you can only you can only go as far as how much you believe if that makes yeah. sense uh, I guess there's one more quote um, where no one accidentally became successful. Like you have to believe, you have to believe that you want to do something before you do it. Yeah. Like no one accidentally went to the NBA. Um, and that's why uh, it almost, that's why um, I guess family people, family men uh, or homebodies kind of make it it feels way easier for them to do the work because they're surrounded by such a strong support system whether it be their parents that are like you need to do xyz and then you can come home and there's no distractions but you're doing great and they're always it's always a positive support group that's taking care of them um that's why that's almost the best support group to be around uh when you want to find success but yeah i don't know if this was on your like no empty seats account or your like personal account but I think I read somewhere in one of one of your posts that you know starting that account kind of gave you you know it like eliminated that choice or that option that you had in your head um and those like suicidal ideations that you had and I thought that was really cool if you can if you find an outlet that or like you know answer that question who is it for and that kind of you know eliminates that option or those you know really really serious negative deep feelings that you have if you just keep reminding yourself over and over and over again um you know who is it for who mm-hmm. will i impact and yeah the effect that everything has on the people around me no that's that's really cool that you remember that i think that's a that's a 
that's a long pose. That was a, that was a long time ago. Um, so props to you for catching that. <laughs> I um, that's an, that's another quote there. Turn. Turn your struggles, and your misfortunes, and your imperfections into something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be as, it doesn't have to be as, um, as direct or as straightforward as what I did where I turned my depression into something, I guess, inspirational, some might say. But, you know, t- turn it into something good. To m- make, make, your, make your lows worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Make it worth something. Don't make it just a sad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, that's, like, a big thing because I think even now, like, I sometimes I see, I see my lows. You know, I've done the same thing. I've been able to turn some of them into you know, positive lessons, things that I've learned. But when I think a lot back to high school, or not high school, it's actually sometimes high school or college, and mm-hmm. I think of those, like, really low lows. Um, it, sometimes I do find myself, or I catch myself, you know, not, you know, not using that in a positive way, but instead, like, you know, we talked about obsessing over the negative things. And, yeah. and like you said, you exactly. felt like you're a very obsessive person. I feel like I'm a very, I have obsessive tendencies too. So it's like mm-hmm. obsessing over, like obsession is good if it's, you know, focused on the right things with the right yeah. perspective. No, for sure. 100%. But, yeah. So we will end it there because I think we're both very hungry. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so I, much for having me, Grace. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> I hope everybody has a great rest of their day and a great rest of their week. And thank you for listening. Take care. Oh, no.